reality is the wildfire system and how we fund fighting fires is broken. You know, we short the prevention fund year after year. Then you get an inferno on your hands and all of a sudden you borrow from the prevention fund to put the fire out and it just gets worse and worse and worse. I am coming to the floor to talk about the challenge we have with forest fires that have been raging in the West. From Montana and Idaho and Washington... Oregon Senators Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley have watched wildfires tear through their state year after year. Fires are an annual occurrence in Oregon, but decade after decade, they're getting a lot worse. Two major reasons for this. Climate chaos is one, and poor forest management is the other. Lawmakers are trying to enact policy that prevents catastrophic wildfire, especially near communities and population centers. But what are the right solutions in the era of climate change? Every single time we have a fire season like this, people say, why don't we do more on the front end to reduce the risk of these fires? What do they mean by that? Senator Merkley, in his floor speech from August 2021, identifies two basic tools to reduce the severity of wildfires. Reduce fuels in the forest and increase the use of prescribed burning. But nearly a century of fire suppression policy across forest lands in the West, paired with second growth forests due to policies of clear cutting and regeneration, have left our public lands in a state of disrepair. We're left having to manage the equivalent of a tinderbox. And forest management policy hasn't kept up with the environmental impacts of climate change. So you throw in the combination of longer, hotter, drier summers and second growth forests, and you've got a perfect recipe for infernos, like the big fires we've been seeing out west. We need an update of federal fire policy because I don't think any of them even mentions the word climate. Here's Tim Inglesby, Executive Director of Firefighters United for Safety, Ethics, and Ecology. And particularly the Federal Wildland Fire Policy, the foundational document, is 20 years dated. Nothing about climate. We need to update federal fire policy, integrate climate mitigation, adaptation, best climate science in our fire management. We need to update it with environmental justice and, and really create more space for indigenous peoples to manage fire for their cultural purposes, their, their economic purposes, restore some equity in, in, in the community's ability to, to work with fire. We still need to somehow incentivize encourage, reward, more ecological fire use. Ever more frequently, we are experiencing fire seasons filled with unrelenting smoke, daily red flag warnings, and bone-dry landscapes. It's clear that we need new policies based on climate adaptation for both our communities and our landscapes. In this episode of One Foot in the Black, we look at the policies being presented to address the wildfire crisis impacting the West. We talk to policymakers and fire professionals about what it's going to take to change our relationship to fire on the landscape. 
we look at the ways that states like Oregon and California are addressing the need for preventative funding and the workforce required to get the job done. And we talk to wildland firefighters about ways to address issues on the front lines of this growing problem. We'll be right back. Hey there, Jessica again, producer of One Foot in the Black. This podcast is one of the many ways the Klamath Siskiyou Wildland Center engages in the issues of fire and climate. As a nonprofit advocacy organization protecting the wild places of Southern Oregon and Northern California, KS Wild is dedicated to bringing you science-based information on issues impacting our forests, waters, wildlife, and climate. And we depend on the generous support of people like you to accomplish this meaningful work. If you'd like to learn more about our programs or how you can become a sustaining member, visit kswild.org. Thanks. Now back to One Foot in the Black. Climate change is having a massive impact on how fires are burning, adding an urgent need for better wildfire policy that will change how we use, prepare for, and fight fire. I'm Alexi Lavecchio. And I'm Joseph Fail. But what are the politicians doing about this? Is anyone addressing the policy changes that are needed to protect communities? The policy changes that we desperately need to build a different, more sustainable relationship with fire? In this episode of One Foot in the Black, we explore some of the policy solutions to wildfire in the West. As we record this in October of 2021, it has been another extreme fire season with much of the West engulfed in smoke. Many towns evacuated and thousands of homes and structures have been lost. Wildfire provisions are currently being considered in the federal infrastructure and other spending bills. States like Oregon and California have recently enacted new statewide bills to address fire. We spoke with Pam Marsh, a legislator in the state of Oregon whose district was hit particularly hard by the Almeda fire. Representative Marsh sat on the Governor's Council on Wildfire Response. Our assignment was really to look at what's happening on the landscape and to make recommendations that included more forest work, again, stabilizing forests across Oregon, particularly those that encase our vulnerable developed communities. We talked about emergency response, putting more money into emergency response. We talked about health impacts of fire and the importance of trying to mitigate smoke impacts as they occur on the landscape, because that's one of the truly one of the few things that we can do to help people who are experiencing fire right now. The Wildfire Council had representation from many different sectors, including business leaders, insurance agents, forest owners, fire professionals, and legislative observers. Oregon lawmakers approved the resulting Oregon Wildfire Senate Bill 762 in the summer of 2021, which enacts many of the council's recommendations. There continues to be a debate about the magnitude of the problem and the best approaches to solve it. There is one part of the policy debate that is quite simple. To fix wildfire issues, we need a large workforce and funding investments to match the scale of the issue. I think we need the feds to give us lots of money, and then I think we could probably figure it out. Although, to be clear, there are some very sticky issues here. If we had money that we could invest in home hardening, both in terms of incentivizing people to rebuild 
in a way that's really fire resilient and to the ability to invest in existing structures to make them more resilient. I think we would all agree upon the need to do that and the value of that investment. We spoke with Susan Jane Brown, an attorney with the Western Environmental Law Center and also a member of the Governor's Wildfire Council. On federal lands, Susan Jane does not think that we need a lot of new policy. Rather, she agrees with Representative Pam Marsh that while funding is lacking, so is vision and leadership from our elected officials. I think that the federal land management agencies have all of the authorities that they need to do the right thing on the land. What they don't have is funding to do it. That extends also to things like grant programs for home hardening and community preparedness and that sort of thing. The need is huge. It's billions and billions of dollars worth of work on federal lands and for community preparedness. And we just don't have the money. And without the money, you can have the best policy in the world, but you can't implement it. And in my view, we have the authority, the Forest Service, the BLM have the authority to put more fire on the ground. They have the authority to do science-based restoration projects. Landowners, private landowners have the authority and the ability to create defensible space around their home. What we don't have is the money. And that takes political will to actually appropriate dollars in a way that addresses the root cause of these problems. Susan Jane once worked in Washington, D.C. and has seen firsthand the political quagmire that prevents any meaningful action on wildfire policy solutions. Is money going to solve it all? No. There does need to be accountability, which is, again, not so much about a law or policy change. It's about politicians and career agency personnel having the political will to do what's right and what everyone recognizes needs to be done. And sometimes it takes congressional direction. I also say that because having worked on Capitol Hill and watched the partisanship increase and become far more rancorous than it was 15 years ago when I was on the Hill, I really question whether Congress has the ability to do anything. Their only job that they have is to pass an annual appropriations bill, and they can't even do that. So how do we expect them to thread a very complex, complicated needle which is wildfire policy, which again is mostly a social issue. We have the ability to put more fire out there, to do more restoration treatments, to do them at scale. We have the authority to do that. What we don't have is the funding and the political will to actually get it done. So I think it's up to us at local levels, which is one of the reasons why I support collaborative conservation, I think that local people know their piece of ground better than anybody else does. They know what the challenges are. They know the answers to those jurisdictional challenges. They just need to be given the green light to actually get together and do that hard work of compromise and then get out there and implement it. Because that's really what everybody wants. Everybody wants a sustainable land base that isn't going to catch fire every single summer and burn down places that we love and communities we care about. In addition to federal funding, we know there is widespread agreement that a big part of the solution is to use more fire. In California, legislators advance Assembly Bill 642, which enhances wildland fire prevention efforts, including prescribed fire and increased tribal engagement. 
Belinda Brown is a member of the Kosolekta Band of the Pitt River Tribe and the Tribal Partnerships Director for Lomakatsi Restoration Project, a grassroots organization that develops and implements forest and watershed restoration projects in Oregon and Northern California. It is our hope to be able to have co-management. Tribes are bringing co-investment to many of the projects that we're doing at Lomakatsi and throughout the region. And through the inter-tribal ecosystem restoration partnership, again, it's not just the Pitt River tribe, it's the Karuk tribe, it's the Klamath tribes who we've had a long-term relationship with for 10 years through master stewardship agreements. And those are funding mechanisms that help us in this day and age, leverage the funding that we need, working together collaboratively to make these projects and help the land. And so it takes many hands, as you all well know. It's not just one tribe. There's 109 tribes in the state of California. There's nine sovereign nations, tribes in the state of Oregon. And Lomakatsi Restoration Project works with six of those in the Rogue Basin. And so trying to marry the traditional ecological knowledge, traditional values with Western science and really come together with some powerful solutions, I think is that's, that's my hope. It continues to happen. We want to share that knowledge, that power, those resources, provide more technical assistance so that more people can do it and increase, elevate, and the respect for the people that are doing a lot of this work. It is clear that we need many policy tools to prepare for wildfire in the era of climate change. It involves making our homes and communities fire resistant through better building codes, land use zoning, and we need to use non-flammable materials. We need land management practices that increase the use of prescribed and cultural fire. It requires us to adapt to the inevitable smoke impacts with better air filtration. We need funding and a workforce that matches the scale of wildfires that we experience today. Do you want to learn more about ways to protect you, your family, and your community during fire season? Check out KS Wild's Forest and Fire Toolkit. This one-stop shop of resources has most of what you need to know about living rurally and in the forests of the Klamath-Siskiyou region. Check it out and download a free copy at kswild.org. In addition to hearing from policymakers, we spoke with wildland fire experts to hear their solutions to building a better relationship with wildfire. Their intimate knowledge has been shaped by years of on the ground experiences of suppressing and using prescribed fire. They offer potential solutions that could change the very framework in which federal agencies fight fire. Now that the fire season is longer and more complex, we are essentially entering into a different world of what firefighting looks like. Yet the systems in which federal agencies hire, train, and manage fire haven't changed in over 20 years. The landscape has changed, the way fire behaves has changed, and so has the length of the fire season. Perhaps it is time we rethink the entire wildfire fighting system. Jim Winnington is a retired federal employee who has worked for the Forest Service, Park Service, and the Bureau of Land Management. With years of experience of how the federal system works, he sees opportunity for change. 
The issue is that a lot of other systems uh, in wildland fire, including the personnel system, were built in the mid 20th century under the assumptions of the environment at the time. And that world no longer exists. Fire season is not two months long. Fire season doesn't, you don't need just a few hours of training to be a firefighter. You need a lot more now. It's more complex. You're encountering different situations than people 10 or 15 or 20 years ago did. Fire season's lasting longer. The amount of work that needs to be done in the shoulder seasons to, to prepare for fires is much greater. And so we have this personnel system that hires temporary workers, that calls them forestry technicians and range technicians. And you're only a firefighter technically when you either retire or die in the line of duty. And that's just a, a weird thing, right? We're asking folks to go out and take on a tremendous amount of risk in a much more complex and dynamic environment than was originally thought of back in the, the 60s and 70s. We're paying them a little bit above minimum wage to take tremendous risk. So we need to rethink that. We need to increase pay, increase benefits, give folks the benefits that the firefighter job series title demands. With more frequent fires, a prolonged fire season, and fires spreading across multiple land ownership boundaries, more staff, resources, and attention are needed to manage fires. Routinely, natural resource specialists are required to work on fire management issues rather than their own area of expertise. To alleviate this issue, Jim wonders if federal agencies should be responsible for wildland firefighting at all, or if it should be an entirely different organization. Should wildland fire continue to be under the land management agencies? What we're seeing is as things get more complex and wildland fires become more stressful, more dangerous, <clears throat> that you have a culture being developed within wildland fire that spans the wildland fire agencies at both at the federal, state, and local agent, uh, levels. And you have managers uh, in public lands who may not have a lot of experience in fire. And so they can't understand the stresses that go with that. They can't understand what, what you go through when you respond to a fire. They don't understand the dangers, the risk, that kind of thing. And it ends up being uh, a situation where you have this group of folks over here who have special skills, special training, and go do special stuff during the year. And then you have other folks over here on the other side who tend to the, the normal agency business, the, the legislatively mandated business of the Forest Service and BLM and the Park Service. Park Service is looking out for tourists. BLM's doing their own thing. Forest Service is doing their own thing. And they're focused on their programs and their legislative priorities. And then there's fire. And when fire happens, that is the priority. And there is a huge tension that, is, that exists in the agencies over that. We mentioned earlier in the podcast that Oregon has recently passed a wildfire bill that would allocate funding for many different aspects of wildfire preparation. Included in this bill is the creation of the Oregon Wildfire Workforce Corps. The Wildfire Workforce Corps will put youth to work and help build skills for future employment and helping communities prepare for fire. This concept is similar to the 1930s Civilian Conservation Corps, or the CCC, where thousands of young adults were employed to work on environmental conservation projects across the West. Funding for a modern era CCC focused on wildfire would help create a new workforce that would integrate wildland firefighting and off-season fuels reduction and prescribed firework. Just imagine if every BLM field office, every Forest Service Ranger District, every Fish and Wildlife Refuge had a 10-person crew that was permanent. That's 
going to give you the workforce to, to do a lot of work in the shoulder seasons when you need, need to do fields reductions. You're going to have a standing workforce, emergency issues around the country if you need to respond, like a hurricane, uh, earthquake, flooding, that kind of thing. And you're going to have folks who are constantly training and are uh, kept up to speed on the complexities of the environment they're working in. In addition to the economic benefit to the local community, some of these small communities, Native American towns and, and places would be just tremendous. They have 10 more permanent employees and it gives those folks an opportunity to start a life, buy a home, start a family. Funding programs like the Oregon Wildfire Workforce Corps is one way in which fundamental change can be made in the way we manage fire. We need to update existing policies that reflect the current climate crisis we are in, and we may need to rethink the entire federal wildland fire system to better prepare our firefighters, forests, and communities. We've been hearing a lot about wildfire from policymakers at all levels of the government. Local, state, and federal politicians weigh in every fire season. But then the smoke clears and interest fades away. We forget about it and hope that next year won't be as bad, but it doesn't go away. Next year is worse. We need real solutions that protect communities from fire. Solutions that restore indigenous fire use. Solutions that ensure that those that are most vulnerable are protected from smoke impacts. We need our communities and landscapes to be more resilient to climate change, and we need it as soon as possible. Since recording this episode, Congress passed the $1 trillion federal infrastructure bill, which provides over $3 billion toward wildfire risk reduction to the Forest Service and Bureau of Land Management to be used between 2022 and 2026. According to the bill, which was signed by President Biden on November 15, 2021, wildfire risk reduction addresses many of the topics we touched on in this episode, including changes in pay and positions for wildland firefighters, money for on-the-ground mitigation efforts like prescribed burning, funding to state and local governments for emergency communications, wildfire defense grants for at-risk communities, and the facilitation and implementation of collaboration-based activities. Additionally, the Oregon House passed SB 762 back in June of 2021 to fund nearly $200 million in wildfire response, recovery, and mitigation. The passage of SB 762 is a step in the right direction toward fire policy that focuses more on community health and safety and less on false solutions like trying to suppress all fires. California has also pushed through statewide legislation. Senate Bill 456 will require the state to establish a long-term fire prevention action plan to ensure statewide investments to combat fires are comprehensive, science-based, and utilize complementary partnerships. Before we close out this episode, I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to One Foot in the Black. We have one more episode to go to conclude this season, and you'll likely see that in your feed in the new year. But all of us at KS Wild and the One Foot in the Black project team hope that you've enjoyed the episodes we've released so far. We love what we do and hope you've learned something new about wildfire or that you're starting to think differently about this complicated issue. One Foot in the Black is just one of the many projects and campaigns that KS Wild engages in on issues important to the communities of the Klamath Siskiyou in Northern California and Southern Oregon. We hope you'll consider making an end-of-year contribution to our organization. Donations from people like you allow us to continue advocating for wildlands, wildlife, clean water, healthy communities, and better policy. 
You can also support our work by sharing this podcast on your social media or giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much from all of us at One Foot in the Black and the Klamath Siskiyou Wildland Center. This episode of One Foot in the Black was written by Alexi Lavecchio, Joseph Vale, and Jessica Klinky. Editing and sound design by Jessica Klinky. Music provided by Blue Dot Sessions. A big thank you to our guests featured in this episode. Representative Pam Marsh from the Oregon State Senate, Susan Jane Brown, Senior Attorney and Wildlands and Wildlife Director for Western Environmental Law Center, Belinda Brown, Tribal Partnerships Director for Lomakotsi Restoration Project, Tim Inglesby from Firefighters United for Safety, Ethics, and Ecology, and Wildland Firefighter and Federal Fire Information Officer Jim Whittington. Links and resources for topics covered in this episode are available at kswild.org slash podcast. Included there is a link to a breakdown of the relevant goals and spending priorities from the Federal Infrastructure Bill. Thanks for listening to One Foot in the Black.